You know, when I was growing up in the church, uh, we loved the book of Acts. We talked about the book of Acts a lot. We quoted from the book of Acts, Acts 2.38, one of our favorites. I'm sure many of us could quote that this morning. Uh, there were lots of verses that we loved and we liked and we memorized, and there were some others that, if we're real honest, kind of made us a little bit uncomfortable. And the verse that we're going to talk about this morning, some of the verses that we're going to talk about this morning were some of those that made us a little bit uncomfortable. In Acts chapter 2, Luke writes this. He says, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I mean, that's some pretty radical uh, generosity, isn't it? And, and when we read that, that they had all things in common, it's really easy, if we're honest, to get pretty dismissive with that, isn't it? I've been dismissive with this passage. Maybe you've been dismissive with this passage. I've heard preachers and elders and deacons and Christians my whole life be dismissive with this passage. Say things like, well, you know, I mean, that was the day of Pentecost and right afterwards and there were thousands of people in town. And so maybe it was because there were a lot of people in Jerusalem. And so that was just kind of a, a temporary fix for that. Some people say things like, well, you know, maybe they thought Jesus was going to come back right then. And so they said, I don't need my stuff. And so they sold their stuff because they thought Jesus was going to come back immediately. Or, or maybe people say, well, you know, I mean, that was awesome. And it was very generous and they were loving and that was great. But it was just a one-off type of a thing. It was just a one-time thing not to be repeated. That's just kind of the way things were in those early days of the church. And so we kind of write it off and say, this isn't something we should practice or even really think about. And maybe one of the reasons that we tend to be dismissive with it is it kind of sounds like socialism, doesn't it? And we get a little bit nervous about stuff like that. It sounds like that. Or maybe it sounds like communal living and we just kind of all put all of our stuff in a big pot and we just kind of live together. I don't think it was either of those two things. I think if we read on Acts chapter 5, it makes it really clear that everyone still had the authority over their own belongings, that they could sell it if they wanted to sell it. They could keep it if they wanted to keep it. They could sell part of it if they wanted to sell part of it. They could sell all of it and then keep part of it and give part of it. That what they did with it was up to each individual. But here's something else I think that we miss. I think that we miss that what is happening here in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 in the Christians as this Jesus movement gets started, I think we miss the fact that what is happening here is directly tied to Jesus being king and his spirit being poured out on his people. Because really that's what the book of Acts is about, isn't it? That's what Acts is about. It's about, it's a sequel really to the gospel accounts, right, that Jesus who is Jesus? Jesus is God in the flesh, and he shows up, and what's his message? His message is that God's kingdom is at hand. God's kingdom, God's rule, and God's reign, heaven reigning over the people of the earth is about to begin. That the king is here, and his reign and his rule is about to begin. And at the very end of the gospel accounts, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he says, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I'll always be with you. And then what does he do? Well, he leaves, right? We're just not paying attention. We'll think, well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you said that, that the kingdom was about to start and you said that you would always be with us. But he didn't leave, did he? 
He ascended. There's a difference. He ascended to his throne. He took his glorious place. He took his seat on the throne to rule over heaven and earth. That's what the story's about. And then he pours out God's spirit on all of his subjects, on all of the citizens of God's heavenly kingdom, that 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost aren't just baptized. They are baptized, but they're delivered, aren't they? They're delivered. That's what we've been talking about in our series on baptism. That baptism is the moment that a person is delivered, Romans 6, out of the reign and the rule of darkness and sin, out of Satan's rule. They're delivered out of that kingdom and into the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus is king. That's, that's what we're saying. I loved when Scott said that Jesus is the Christ. When we say Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name, is it? It's his title. What we're saying is King Jesus. We're saying that Jesus is God's anointed king. And what is happening here when the people realize that Jesus is king and Jesus takes his glorious seat on the throne and he rules over heaven and earth and he pours out God's spirit on all flesh, men and women and old and young, and these people become citizens of heaven's kingdom, that this sharing of their belongings, this having all things in common. And what does that mean anyway? All things in common. That word common means not set apart. Not set apart. Not sanctified. Because that, that's what we tend to do with our stuff, isn't it? We set it apart. For who? For me. It's my stuff, right? We set it apart for ourselves. And we say, this is mine. I'm going to put it over here, and I'm going to use it for me. And, and you can't have any of it. It's mine. When I was a kid, this just struck me, so this might be a silly story. But... Um, I know most of mine are, but uh, uh, so so when I was a kid, we, we didn't really have Coke in the house a lot. You know, my mom was real healthy, and you know, as a kid, I, I wanted Coke in the house, and uh, it's not pop or soda, it's Coke, right? We're in Texas, so... Um, <laughs> And so I, I remember a couple of times, maybe I'd be at like a fall festival at school or something and win a two liter of Coke. I mean, it was mine. It wasn't my sister's. It wasn't my parents. It was mine. And I wanted to save that thing as long as I could. I didn't care if it was flat. You know, I would, it was mine. I put it in the fridge. Don't you touch mine because that's mine. I set it apart. It wasn't common. It wasn't for everybody's use. It was for my use, right? And, and what, what Luke is telling us here in this gospel account, is that people didn't treat their stuff that way. They didn't set it apart and say, this is mine, you can't have any of it, don't touch it, it's my stuff. They said, if somebody is in need, I'm going to sell my stuff and distribute it so that people's needs are being met. And church, listen, if we dismiss this and we say, this is just a one-off thing, we, we have no reason to, uh, to imitate this, no reason to apply this, this is just something that happened in Jerusalem in the first century, no need to bother with this, then we miss something about the reign of King Jesus. We miss something about what it means for God's spirit to be poured out on his people. I want us to look at a psalm, Psalm 72. So if you got your Bible, Psalm 72, starting in verse 1. Now, this might have been a psalm that was sung when kings in, in Judah were coronated, when they became king. And it was this, yes, here's the king, and it's going to be awesome, and his reign is going to be awesome, and he's going to rule over the whole earth, and things are going to be great. Because that's what everybody thinks when a new ruler comes to town, isn't it? 
That's what every nation and every kingdom, every people group that gets a new leader and they say things are going to be different under this ruler, right? And, and God inspired his people to sing this, that someday a king was going to come and things were going to be different. This king was going to rule over not just Israel and not just Judah, but over the whole world. And this king was going to eliminate poverty amongst his people. This king, things were going to be different under this king. And every king that came and went didn't fulfill these prophecies. Every king that came and went didn't fulfill these songs. It wasn't until Jesus that he fulfilled every promise, every hope, every expectation. Listen to the psalmist. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Verse 3, let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children, listen to this word, of the needy and crush the oppressors. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have, listen, dominion from sea to see and from the river to the ends of the earth may desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust may the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute may the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts may all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him isn't that what we're saying when we say Jesus is the Christ? Isn't that what we're doing as Gentiles, as non-Jewish people? We are the people of the nations who do not bow down to Caesar, but who bow down to Jesus and say he is the Christ, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Verse 12, for he delivers the needy when he calls. The poor and him who has no helper, he has pity on the weak and the, listen to the word again, the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land, on the tops of the mountains may it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may the people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And the church says, amen. amen. I mean, that's what we're saying, isn't it? 
that's, that's what Luke is saying in this sequel to the gospel accounts. He's saying that, that what Jesus promised has come true, that the kingdom of heaven has come, that Jesus has begun to reign over heaven and earth, and that those who have brought, been brought into his kingdom, that have been delivered out of darkness and into his kingdom, that we are, as Paul will go on later to explain, we're living stones, right? That are being built together into a temple in which the Spirit of God dwells. And so the whole earth is being filled with the glory of God in the reign of King Jesus, isn't it? That's what we're saying. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're saying every time when we say, Jesus, King Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord of heaven and earth, that his glory, the glory of God is filling the earth through the people that he indwells, that we are the temple of God. And all of their hopes and all of their expectations, all of their dreams that said someday a king is going to come and he's going to rule over heaven and earth and the, the earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. That do you see this theme that runs throughout this psalm? And really the theme that runs throughout all of the Old Testament that says the poor will be taken care of, the poor and the needy will be provided for, the hungry won't be hungry anymore, the naked won't be naked anymore, the homeless won't be homeless anymore, that King Jesus will provide for his people. We can't spiritualize that and say, well, you know, it's not real food. And real. No, 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 no. Doesn't James say? Doesn't John say? Don't we go throughout all of the epistles? Doesn't James say, listen, I know you say you've got faith. That's great. I'm glad you've got faith. But faith without doing something is what? It's dead. It's not real faith. He says if somebody comes up and they don't have food and they don't have clothing and you say, good luck with that. Be warmed and well fed. Have a great day. Your faith is meaningless. So do you see that what's happening in these days following Pentecost and the days and weeks and probably months and years and even to today, what is happening when God's people have all things in common and we don't hold things back from people and people are provided for? It's a testimony that we are the people of God and that Jesus is providing for his people. Look at Acts chapter 4. And verse 31, here's our primary text. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Now, again, in Acts chapter 2 and here in Acts chapter 4, this, this sharing all things in common, it's directly tied to the work of the Spirit, isn't it? It's directly tied to the work of the Spirit. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's what they had been praying for. That persecution had already begun. And they came together and they prayed, God, help us to speak the word with boldness. And the Spirit shook the place they were in. And they continued to speak the word with boldness. Verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart, one soul. See, that's what it's about, isn't it? That, that's what it is to, to have all things in common. It's because you're of one heart and one soul, you're saying we're, we're one people and we're in this together. And if you're hurting, then I'm hurting. If you're hungry, then I'm hungry. If you're naked, then I'm naked. If you need a house, then my house. 
It's your house. We say that in Spanish, don't we? Mi casa es su casa. That's what it is to have all things in common of one heart and one soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. You see, we see a little bit clearer there, don't we? That's what it means to have everything in common is that no one says, this is mine, you can't have it. You can't have access to what I have. This is for my needs and my pleasures and my comfort. No. If you're hungry and I have food, my food is your food. If you're naked and I have clothing, my clothing is your clothing. If you're homeless and you need a roof over your head and I have a home, my house is your house. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace or great favor was upon them. Look at verse 34. Here's what I really want us to pay attention to. There was not a needy person among them. You see? I mean, isn't that, isn't that what the psalmist said would happen when the Messiah took his throne? That, that neediness, that hunger and nakedness and homelessness amongst God pe- God's people would be taken care of? Now, if you're just reading that and you're saying, man, won't that be great when the Messiah comes and the new age begins? Won't it be great that people their, their tummies will be filled and they'll have clothes on their back and they'll have a roof over their head. Won't that be great? And we'll just wait around for that to happen. Like God was just going to infuse more money or move more food into the economy. That's not what ended up happening, is it? What ended up happening was people's hearts were changed, right? Here in the city of Jerusalem, amongst this Jewish people, there wasn't more money than there was before. They just turned loose of it. There wasn't more food than there was before. They just turned loose of it. The people that had been walking by, rich, they had plenty of money, plenty of food, plenty of stuff, plenty of clothes, and they'd been walking past their poor brothers and poor sisters on the side of the road, begging for food with their hands open, saying, please, please, will you share? And they said, no, I won't share. I've got this. This is mine. But you see, when Jesus took his throne and poured out his spirit on these people that were delivered out of this darkness and into this light, their hearts were changed, their minds were changed, and now they said, we're in this together, and the poverty, the neediness, the hunger, the nakedness, the homelessness was taken care of. doesn't mean everybody had exactly the same amount. That's not what it says. But it says there was not a needy person among them. As long as anybody has food, we're going to share it with those who don't. As long as anybody has clothes, we're going to share it with those that don't have clothes. As long as anybody has a roof, we're going to share it with the people that don't have a roof over their head. It says, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was not a needy person among them. You might write in the margin of your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 4. See, when, when Moses reminded the people of Israel before they went into the promised land about the law, he says, this is how you're supposed to live. When you go in, when we take possession of this land, here's how you're supposed to live. Here's God's law for you. And God told them, listen to what he says, Deuteronomy 15, 4, there will be no poor among you. 
If you just listen and you obey and you do what I tell you to do, there won't be any poor among you. There won't be anybody that's hungry or thirsty and doesn't have anything to put in their mouth. There won't be anybody that's naked and doesn't have clothes to put on. There won't be anybody without shelter if you'll do what I tell you to do. He goes on to say in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 15, if any among you, one of your brothers should become poor in one of your towns within the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him. Do you see what Luke is saying? When he says they had all things in common and everybody shared with anybody that was in need and there was not a needy person among them, Luke is telling us that all of the promises and all of the hopes and all of the expectations of Jesus becoming king and the glory of the Lord filling the people and filling the whole earth eventually, it's coming true. And poverty is being lifted. Hunger is being lifted. Nakedness is being taken out of the way. People are having a shelter over their head. Why? Because Jesus is king. And where Jesus is king, people share with others in need, right? When Jesus is king and where Jesus is king, that's where I want us to land, where Jesus is king, people meet each other's needs. Now, I'm happy to say this is still the case, isn't it? I have never, in all of my years in the church and being around Christian people, I've never, ever, ever been in a congregation where people let somebody go hungry. I've never seen brothers and sisters in Christ say to their poor brother or sister, sorry you don't have food, we're going to go over here and eat our food, hope that works out for you. I've never seen that. Where Jesus is king, people meet each other's needs. This congregation is no exception. This congregation is tremendous at sharing with one another, having all things in common. If somebody's hungry and I have food or you have food, we share with that brother or that sister. Where Jesus is king, people meet each other's needs. That's true here. That's true in every congregation I've ever been a part of. But the bad news is it hasn't always been true of every Christian I've ever known. Even though it may be true of the congregation as a whole, sometimes, sometimes it's easy for me as an individual or you as an individual not to participate. For us to keep ourselves set apart and our stuff set apart. And our money set apart. We'll let somebody else take care of the people in need. We'll take, let somebody else take care of the needs of the congregation. We'll let somebody else take care of the needs of the poor. But as for me and my stuff, I'm just going to kind of set that apart for me. And I'm not saying any of this to make you feel bad, make anybody feel. I never preach anything to make you, make you feel bad. What, what Jesus is doing, what the Bible is doing, is inviting us into this. Isn't this amazing? Isn't it amazing that, that Jesus has created a kingdom where hunger and nakedness and homelessness can be taken care of within the community of Christ, where Jesus is king, people meet each other's needs, people share with one another. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is inviting you to be a part of that, to come out of the kingdom of the world and into his kingdom of light. Where the spirit of God is, there is love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and 
Gentleness and self-control. Where Jesus is king, the spirit dwells. Where Jesus is king, people share with one another. Where Jesus is king, people say, we're in this together. Where Jesus is king, people say, you're not going to go hungry so long as I have food to share with you. Where Jesus is king, people say, you're not going to go naked as long as I have clothes to share with you. Where Jesus is king, people say, you're not going to go without a roof over your head so long as I have a roof to share with you. Where Jesus is king, people share. People give to meet each other's needs. And many of you are participating in that and have been participating in that for years. Praise God for you. Praise God that you've come into that kingdom and you're participating in that kind of a community. And some of you, maybe you used to and you kind of fallen away from that. I encourage you to step back into that. Step into this. Because I'll tell you, when you're down and when you're hurting and when things have been going poorly and your brothers and sisters meet your needs, oh, what a blessing it is. But we want you to participate now. We want you to come into this community where people don't go hungry. People don't go without clothes. People don't go without a roof over their head. Why? Because where Jesus is king, people meet each other's needs. And if we can help you come into that for the first time, if you've not been buried with Jesus and you've kind of been putting that off, be delivered out of darkness and into light. Come into this people. Come into this community. Be a part of what we're doing and let's be in this together. Or maybe you've made that decision but you just need encouragement or prayer. In just a minute, our shepherds are going to meet in my office and they would love nothing more than to pray with you, encourage you, whatever it is that you've got going on. I say it all the time but I mean it with every fiber of my being. We are in this together. Or you can come forward right now as together we stand and sing.